0: Hello, Susie. How are you today?
1: Very well, thank you.
0: You're looking very bright and breezy. What's your morning routine? What time do you usually wake up?
1: Um, Sadly, I don't really wake up. I get woken up uh, quite abruptly by my youngest, who is just a very cheery morning person uh, there's a word for that she's very matutinal um,
0: oh that's to do with the morning mat- it is mat- matin as in the French yes that's the origin it's probably Latin originally yes. mat- mat- matutinal there's like
1: matins matinee matinees were originally in the morning so it's all mat- related
0: matutinal yes. anyway this is one of your children
1: one of my children my How youngest you got in all? two so she wakes me up very early uh, oh gosh my morning routine just involves lots of caffeine cold water splashed on the face um, and packed lunches
0: I always admired my sister. I have three sisters, and one of them called Hester. Her morning routine began with her waking slowly and then feeling around the bed for her cigarette packet in the dark. <laughs> How and old was she at this is point? Eight? She's, no, <laughs> she was grown up by then. And finding the cigarette and getting it to the mouth... And then the first light that she would see would be from the match. Oh, that would wake her up. And she'd light the end of the cigarette, blow out the match, and slowly watch the glow of the cigarette, and that would wake her up. And then she'd feel back into the cigarette case for her contact lenses, which she kept in the cigarette <laughs> packet. And then in the dark, from the glow of the cigarette, she'd try to insert... Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and I always thought, that that's the way to live <laughs> and to start the day. But sadly, uh, she died aged 61, oh. so it was not a good idea to smoke cigarettes. No. Fun as it was, when when I was a child, because uh, she was older than me, uh, watching her waking up and doing this routine with the cigarettes. Um, It sounds
1: very Greta Garbo somehow. Rather magnificent. To lie in
0: bed and let your cigarette wake you. We don't encourage that. But you look fantastic. Do you put on a a, a fake when you do countdown? Mm. Do you because you do several in a day?
1: Do five, five in a day.
0: Do you get made up? Do do you do that yourself or does someone help you?
1: No, I'm hopeless with makeup. Uh, No, we have a wonderful team who plonk us down. Uh, We applied with coffee and then they they set to work. You know this because you've had it done too. You're there for about two. Two seconds, and I'm there
0: for about half an hour. Because there's no point with me. There's no point. If only I'd done what my wife said. Actually, this is one of the rules in life: do whatever your wife says. If I'd started moisturising mm. when my wife first told me to, which is literally fifty years ago, mm-hmm. but it wasn't trendy then. Uh, well, no, it wasn't. But if I'd done it then, I would look like she looks. People genuinely think that my wife is my daughter. She's very beautiful. She's very beautiful, but also she's got very young, fresh skin mm. because she has moisturised. You know, I too could look like Cliff. Um, you know, but I don't. Uh, I've got funny old leathery skin and my hair's all gone, but what can we do? Anyway, the point is... We're on radio, so it's all Radio. This is Susie Dent. We're on Better Place Than Radio. We are on podcast. that's true. That's true. We are in your ear uh, with our amusing podcast, we hope. Called something
1: rhymes with purple. Something rhymes with purple. We're still getting used to this, aren't we? We are
0: getting used to it. I mean, uh, in some ways, I think of it as being called if words could talk. Because when I talk to you, I feel words could talk mm. because you delve into the secrets of words. And today on our podcast, we want to talk a bit about jargon. Yes. Some of it really irritates me because I think it keeps people out. It's a kind of language that is exclusive. But you like jargon. But before we get on to jargon. What does jargon mean and what's the origin of it?
1: OK, jargon is uh, another thing that came over, the word at least, uh, with the Normans after 1066. It was spelt jargon, J-A-R-G-O-U-N. And it's got actually really lovely meaning, what it did then. It's the chattering of birds. Oh,
0: the jargon.
1: Yes, and it makes total sense because bird to bird, they understand each other perfectly. We can't understand it. And as you say, that is the whole point of jargon. It unites, but it also excludes. And this is a double-edged sword, but um, I get a really bad rap jargon and I rather like it. I'll explain.
0: It do explain. I mean why why do you like why do you like jargon? Cuz what what annoys me about jargon is I go into a place and I hear people talking for example in acronyms. Mm-hmm. You know the the ETO the FSM you know oh, I am lost here. Mm-hmm. They're talking their language and they're doing it deliberately to keep me out. As you say the language of birds jar- jargon. jargon. Uh and I find that unattractive. Mm-hmm. But you you like it, rather like the criminal underworld where they had a kind of slang that they all spoke to one another. That, you think, is yes, interesting? Yes,
1: Courtney rhyming slang started as jargon um, because it was uh, basically a secret code amongst the costermongers in London 200, 300 years ago. And it was designed to keep the authorities out. If there were some sort of shady dealings going on, they could, um, you know, speak in their wonderful, joking, colourful Um and, uh, and get away with it. But obviously, it was uniting as well. It was fun. It was a game. It was wordplay. Uh, and there's so many examples of this up and down the land.
0: Can I just give you a few Cockney rhyming slang ones? Just to oh, test it. you. Test you if you know. Oh,
1: I probably won't. But Quite exciting.
0: It. The other day, I was hosting the Oldie of the Year Awards. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're about the only person under 80 that I know. <laughs> and winning this was Lionel Blair. Oh. Remember Lionel yes, Blair? He's still with us. He's aged 90. And we gave him the prize because he's got... Snabbing his celery, fantastic. And he told me some amazing stories, Lionel Blair. Lionel Blair was in a movie in 1950. Can you imagine that long ago? 1950, he was in a movie with, wait for it, Errol Flynn's wife. Wow. And Errol Flynn's wife, and he got on rather well. So he, I think he had a bit of the hots for Errol Flynn's wife. And Errol Flynn, I don't think, was very amused that young Lionel Blair was coming in on the scene. Anyway, they went to a bullfight together. Mm-mm. And guess who was at the bullfight? Ernest Hemingway. Oh, he loved his bullfights. But picture Lionel Blair and Ernest Hemingway. It's just too fantastic. And Edel Flynn, what a trio. Can you imagine? Yes. Um, anyway, l- the point is, Lionel Blair is in the dictionary because yeah. flares, flares, you're Lionel Blairs. You're Lionels. Yeah. What are Alan Wickers? Knickers. They are. I don't Alan... think
1: people get that reference anymore, though, do no. they? Alan no.
0: Wicker was a television presenter, news reporter, uh, and people... Apples and pears? Stairs. Very good. Artful dodger. Codger? Lodger. A lodger. Baked bean.
1: Has bean. <laughs> no, baked bean.
0: They, according to the dictionary, it's the queen. Oh, OK. I met my baker's dozen. Cousin? Correct. Uh, oh, God, Oh, she's a lot of Barney rubble. Trouble. That's right. <laughs> Meet you down at the battle cruiser? Boozer. Well done. Bees and honey? Money? Oh, I'm doing birdlime. Time. time in prison, exactly. Mm. Now, biscuits and cheese. Don't know that one. Biscuits and cheese is rhyming. cotton rhymes for knees or canese so as we say? pronounce I've them.
1: Bruised my my
0: biscuits. Uh, no, uh, you could say that actually. You,
1: very, you rarely give the whole thing. That's that's the
0: That's what thing. makes it that's clever, what, isn't yeah, it? Except you have to really decode uh, it. So, then. what is the origin of this? You tell me again, Cockney rhyming slang? It goes uh, back to. Yeah,
1: it goes back to, we think, to costermongers on the streets of London, um, 18th century possibly possibly 17th century but largely 18th century where they started to evolve this tribal banter that was both fun, uniting but also crucially a code that the police couldn't understand. So should they be buying their a- apples and pears, um, not their stairs but their real apples and pears at a, as a sort of cut down price and fallen off the back of a lorry then they could describe them in a way that
0: the police or the authorities wouldn't understand.
1: So it was, it was a sort of criminal banter
0: really. And it's become like a sort of banter within banter, because, as you rightly say, you reduce half of it. That's the way you get sherbet. Okay, is cockney rhyming slang for a taxi. How can that be?
1: Mm. <clears throat> Sherbet fountain is all I can think of. Sherbet dab. Fountains? Do you
0: remember? Are you oh. young enough, old enough is that to a remember Sherbet? Like a sherbet
1: fountain?
0: Fountain? dab is
1: Oh what? it's a lollipop that you dip in Sherbet.
0: It's you had a bit of licorice. Oh licorice. A bit of licorice. Like fountain. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And you could either suck it through the licorice yes, like a licorice yes, straw, yes. or you dabbed this. it into the licorice. I love this. Uh, so it's a sherbet dab. You lose the dab, it becomes a sherbet, or you just have oh. the dab. The dab rhymes with cab, the cab is a taxi. Like it. So a sherbet is short for a sherbet dab, and a taxi is actually a cab. Mm. I love that. So, what's your skin? It's your sister. Your kin? Skin and blister.
1: Skin and blister, wow. It's your sister.
0: I love it. Okay. Okay. So, that's one that's been going for hundreds of years. Is that a jargon or is that a slang?
1: Uh, Well, it's a very fine line, actually. Very, very fine line between the two of them. I like to call it jargon simply because I think... We do need to accept the fact that jargon can be good. I know that, you know, if if there's ever a sort of poll that's published by a newspaper about about jargon, it's going to be the top most annoying business sort of, you know, tropes or or kind of little silly expressions that people ever use, like low-hanging fruit or let's go offline or, you know, all of that stuff. And yes, it is really annoying, although I have to say even business jargon can be quite inventive, like let's open the kimono. Do you know what that means?
0: Let's open the kimono, please. (laughs) Forgive me, I'm so sorry. This is a family accessible. I mean, there are people listening to this on their way to school. Let's open the kimono. Let's
1: open the kimono is a a phrase possibly used by a company when they've got bad results and they just want to put it all on the table at the same time. So they're just going to disclose everything.
0: I've heard the phrase, open kimono. That means let it all hang out. Let it all hang out.
1: Let's just, yeah.
0: Oh, let's open the kimono. Let everybody know. The results are terrible. Okay. Open kimono, everybody. Yeah. I love the way I'm doing an American accent.
1: I don't. Yes, I don't know why either, because uh, it's it's used over here as well, but not enough. I have to say. But, but that is
0: I can. But what's interesting about that is I'm finding that attractive because it's relatively new to me. Mm. But when it becomes, you know, level playing field
1: going forward.
0: Yeah, you Ooh. feel. Oh, I've heard this so often. Yes, it becomes a cliche.
1: Yes, yes, and a lot of jargon is cliche. So I'm not denying that kind of jargon. I absolutely not. Um, I would just say it probably started off. Uh, with good intentions. Again, it was a sort of way of, not necessarily trying to sound clever, but a way of kind of being part of the group. And you know, since since English began, people have tried to be part of the group. They have tried to speak in a certain way in order to be cool or in order to be included. And you were talking about people speaking in acronyms. I'm not entirely sure it was in order to sort of get one over you. Most of the time, if you think about um, the fire service, for example, lots of acronyms there, but they all mean something. They're give quick. Me,
0: can you give me an example? I actually
1: can't at the moment um, because they don't mean anything to me at all. But fire firewoman to firewoman, uh, fire officer to fire officer said, it means something, it's quick, and they know what they're doing. And, of course, speed is of the essence there. So it's not always a bad thing. Um, Is it
0: true, incidentally, you may not know this, but somebody may and they can let us know somehow, that air traffic controllers all speak in English? Probably. But cars, except maybe in France. Mm-hmm. I think maybe that's... No, I think it is really? true. I think around the world, they all speak in English, except over France. The French air traffic controllers won't speak English. But I've heard the way some of these people speak English, and it's incomprehensible. And I'm always terrified when I'm flying in certain parts of the world where I know English is not their second... If, oh, okay. Not their first or their second, or mm. possibly even their third language. To think that they're trying to do air traffic control, uh, it it's quite frightens me. But think of their safety record. Yeah, um, I agree.
1: But yes, that may well be true. Um, and air traffic controllers actually have their own patois as well, their own jargon.
0: Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No.
1: My interest in jargon really started because um, you will know this again from being in TV, Giles, but um, occasionally you might get told, as I was fairly often, Susie, you look hot on the floor. And I thought, oh, that's nice. Thanks for that. So I was a little bit chuffed. Um, My cheeks gave a little flush. But then I realised, sadly, that looking hot means shiny in the TV world. And the floor is the studio floor. In other words, you're on set and you're looking a bit hot. You're looking a bit shiny. Uh, so that was the first thing I thought. Gosh, that's really interesting. I wonder what other things uh, we use. And so I started to—I I say I started to eavesdrop. I've eavesdropped all my life. So when I started off at a convent. Uh, that was the first tribe that I belonged to—the convent tribe. You were and a convent
0: girl. I was a convent girl. Yeah. And was the convent run by nuns? Yes. Called Sister This and Sister yes. That, and there was the one in charge was called Mother This.
1: Uh, the or one in charge were- actually was just a sister.
0: Yes, the headmistress mistress.
1: Um, but and we were they nice?
0: Have- were they nice nuns on the whole?
1: Yes. Uh, So we, we used to have a confessional. Uh, you know, we used to have to go to confession and we would call it the spilling test because behind the curtain of the confessional, we would spill the beans. That's what we called it. And then the penance that you would get, of course, depended on the misdemeanors that you had. It's like quite often you'd pretend to have done something because I thought it was really boring. So, say I said I stole a pencil off somebody. Hold on, I must yeah, just okay.
0: interrupt this because it's completely riveting to me. <laughs> uh, I, I, my wife was brought up as a Catholic. Okay. I was brought up as an Anglican and where they don't have confession in this sense. And I've always been intrigued by actually what. What goes on when in a Catholic church you disappear behind the curtain, you draw the curtain? Mm. It's rather like one of those photo me booths for getting your passport That's photograph right. done. So
1: you but can't there's, see There's a little
0: grill, isn't there? Yes. And inside is sitting the clergy person. that The priest, The yes. priest, it will be a man if it's a Catholic church. Yes. And what happens? What, okay. what, what do they say? What do you they sit say?
1: down and you have to say, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It is two months since my last confession, or well, have her. These are my sins, oh, and no. then you would recount them. And as I say, quite often you'd have to struggle to think of something. So I would say I stole a pencil off my best friend, Gemma, uh, or whatever. And then at the end of it, they would give you a penance, and that penance would be a series do of. Do they press. respond
0: to that? I mean, if no,
1: they, not to each individual sin. They, they would just they, they nod, would just, or they
0: say mm, yes. You
1: actually can't really see them, but oh. you would just reel them all off, and then they would um, uh, relieve you of your sins. They would forgive you. And then you're given a penance, which is part of the pardon, and, and what to will go the penance back to be? jargon then. So if I had three Hail Marys to do, um, which would be quite a short penance, so
0: And Hail Mary some, is a prayer.
1: Hail Mary is a prayer. Hail
0: Mary full of grace. Lord, yes.
1: Uh that was known as an H three. So I'd come away and say to my friends, I've got an H three. So that oh, was my that was the first tribe. And I'd
0: would the pretty. priest have said to you, You need three H
1: three? I'm just looking up what you say Charles Chang is really unhealthy interest.
0: No, no. But I'm, I've always been fascinated because it's, okay. it's like Freemasonry. It's a world that yes. many of us. Oh,
1: Freemason. Yes, I looked. We'll at come on to that. Yes. but
0: the the point is, it's a world that a lot of us you you take it for granted because you, as a girl, went to mm. confessional. I never went to it. I've seen I've seen the confessional box. I've never known what goes on inside. So I'm particularly intrigued. Mm. So he says three HMs to you. or does he say? He three He just say
1: three Hail Marys, four Lord's prayers, for example. I, that that would have been for something pretty hefty. And then you'd go and sit in the church and you would say those prayers and then you were...
0: Cleansed. Absolved. Well done. Hmm. Well, that's actually quite a nice system because it lifts hmm. the burden and you can start again with a clean slate. Yes. Look, it's worked... I don't do
1: it anymore, I have to say.
0: But it has worked for millions of people yes. for 2,000 years, so let us not knock it. Absolutely. Who haven't tried it.
1: No, that's very so, true. But the oh, nuns, you, could get the, you could get the full rosary as well. Or what's the I can't full, even remember the, what the full, the full, rosary, full rosary was. That was so I would call that the full Rosie Lee. Uh, and... I can't even remember what was the full rosary, but that, again, would be for something fairly sizable in terms of...
0: The full rosary, because a rosary is also an object, isn't it? It is, so you would take the
1: beads and you would hold each individual bead, say a prayer for each bead. But that was for the biggest transgressions, I would say,
0: the full rosy lee. So when you were a little girl, we're talking about primary school age. Yes. You were introduced to the jargon yes, of the confessional.
1: I was. Well, at least it wasn't. I don't think anybody else used it but the, but we did the girls You used made it. your own drug. We made our own and that's key because again it was uniting. And I've belonged to lots of different communities since then. I've belonged to the cycling community um who anyone who's a cyclist or indeed a runner will know the meaning of the phrase I've bonked. Uh, that simply means you've completely hit the wall in a really bad way. So you have absolutely no energy left. You you, all your I can't remember the physiological reason behind this, but all your reserves have gone and you absolutely have to avoid that at all costs. Um, and of course, lexicographers have have um, their own phrases. Doctors famously have their own phrases from VIP, very intoxicated person um, to um, what else do they have? Just trying to think. Doctors have so many. And again, a lot of them are acronyms. Um, I'm reminded of the computer one, the one in the computing world in the office, which is picnic, problem in chair, not in computer. In other words, it's the person doing the complaining that's got the problem, not the technology. Um, So wherever you look, whichever world you enter, there will be a jargon, a little dialect that is incredibly important within that community and that others don't understand. And we're so busy lobbing these languages over the heads of others that we don't tune in and when you do tune in it's just fascinating
0: do we advise people to use jargon or do we say to them please avoid jargon on the house
1: well, it depends i think if it's meaningless and uh, and has become a cliche then try and be a little bit more inventive but um but i would just say tune into it a little bit more ask your builder i had a great time with a set of builders asking for their jargon i bet um, you
0: did <laughs> if you if you arrived saying yeah I'm I'm totally bonked they were very confused that's the problem isn't it
1: um, that, Yes that is the problem Well that is the problem if you are deliberately um, obfuscating as they say But um, the, the wonderful plasterer called Luke um, helped me out actually and he told me that spirit level is called a Gary because that's Gary Neville spirit level um, Michael Barrymore um, is a room that's going to be painted all white. I can't do my thing Oh, anymore. very good. Um, spreading the fat on the Lionel. If I was to say that to you, I've got, if I was to say, I've got builders in this week, Spreading the Fat on the Lionel. Not Lionel Blair this week. No, time. Lionel Ritchie? Yes. Spreading the fat is plastering. And uh, Lionel Ritchie, it's not rhyming slang, but the Lionel is the ceiling because of the Lionel Ritchie song, Dancing on the Ceiling. So they call it the Lionel, which I love. Uh, They have a snotter, which is something that gets stuck, that shouldn't be there in plaster or wet paint. They they have this huge tribal lexicon, which I which I do love. And as I say, I would recommend anybody to start tuning in. Twitches, birdwatches, oh, theirs is amazing.
0: So the point is, any group of people yeah. has a language of their own, the jargon, so that they can communicate more comfortably with one another.
1: Yes, and, and they can have fun. And you
0: know. And in a way, your way of getting into that group is to pick up on their jargon, to understand it and to use it um, gently at first, but then with growing confidence and maybe add to it, come up with your own.
1: Yes, add to it. I mean, I think if you're not part of the group, obviously tread carefully because it's like parents trying to speak in teen slang or just sound ridiculous. But I think just sort of learning a little bit about it and asking and enjoying it because yeah. it's, you know...
0: Because I, I occasionally try to do that. You know, and it's like, it is dad dancing, isn't it? I
1: mean, it is. I you know, I guess it's the same. It's
0: the same thing. Yeah. But yeah. then please explain this to me. I hear this word everywhere. It's now being used in advertisements. My children are using it. My grandchildren are using it. But I haven't actually understood it completely, unicorn, the new oh. use of the word unicorn. Mm. Is it a kind of jargon word?
1: It's not really, no. I think that's just sort of slang. Unicorn just means sort of pretty and often quite pink and sort of multicoloured. So you might get a a unicorn latte, unless I'm misunderstanding this. That's what I'm thinking for unicorn. Oh, really? What are you thinking of?
0: Well, I mean, yes, the definition I got here is denoting something, especially an item of food or drink that is dyed in rainbow colours, yeah. decorated with glitter, etc. Yes. But I think there's something more to it than that. Mm-hmm. I think people are saying, you know, oh, are you unicorning? I think I think oh, it's a, it's verb. a I okay, think
1: onto that, then. we've
0: got to... We are the word detectives. Yes. We've got to have got we'll the root of the unicorn.
1: And there's another tribe that I find absolutely fascinating, and we mentioned them earlier, and that is the jargon of black cab drivers. It's amazing. Because yeah. Because they were another lovely group this time, Et, and they have um, not just their rhyming slang, but they've renamed Landmarks of London. Okay, so they have the Works, which are the Houses of Parliament, love it they have the tripe shop which is the BBC
0: this is outrageous
1: (laughs) it's a broadcasting house they have um, the scent box now this is quite clever this is the taxi rank at King's Cross
0: Oh, it's rank. It's
1: rank. It's so the rank smell, nice. the scent box, are yes. clever. Yes, um, I love all those. Anyway, I just thought I'd throw that in because my, my time sitting in the back of black cabs, I met one of the very few women, uh, female uh, tax driver, black cab drivers in uh, London. And she was fantastic. And she let me into even her little sort of subdivision of cabby slang. I mean, honestly, it's
0: everywhere. It's I nice. like black cabs. I love black cabs. I black cabs. Uh, what's the origin of the word Uber. Why is... Uber,
1: I don't know. It means is it across the, or over in German. It means Germany. it's German. Mm.
0: But is that the way, why they use it? Over? I'm guessing so. Uber.
1: Uber. Do they okay, have an Uber umlaut al, on the U? Uber al. I'm not entirely sure. I'll have to check.
0: Well, it's all Uber here. <laughs> it is almost over here. It's time for your trio because this is a self-improving podcast. The idea is that it pays to increase your word power and thanks to Susie, we can all have bigger, better, more beautiful vocabularies. Is trio a chocolate bar as well? I feel it should be. Three mm. fingers of... Chocolate goodness. Sounds good. To me. Let's have a trio, and I'm sure yours will sound good to us. What have we got today?
1: Okay, not no particularly unifying theme for these three. They're just they're just words that I love. Um, okay, the first one you were definitely not this, Giles. I think you were now totally, if I'm right. But crambazled. Cram. bazled. Basil. That is a word that means prematurely aged from drinking too much. <clears throat> oh, good, isn't it? I just love the sound of it.
0: You can see them when they walk into the room; those faces. It's usually it's usually men. They've all got red, and the nose is sort of bulbous and slightly. Oh yes,
1: there's a word for that kind of nose as well. It's called a grog blossom. <laughs> Those kind of red veins on the nose. A grog blossom. Grog blossom. But
0: if you're crambasled, that means that you've you've taken you you've you've you got old before your time because yeah. you've been
1: you've been partying too hard. And what's hard. the origin? Cram and basil. It's uh, who knows? I think again, born of its sound is a dialect word. I picked it up from an old glossary. I think from Norfolk. I just love it. Crambasled.
0: Crambasled.
1: Um. The second one is um, an imaginary illness. So you might find this useful after a summer holiday when you just don't really feel like going back to, to work or indeed after the Christmas break, whatever. It's called a hum-dudgeon. hum-dudgeon.
0: Hum-dudgeon.
1: Hum-dudgeon.
0: And dudgeon is spelt?
1: D-U-D-G-E-O-N.
0: A hum-dudgeon, all one word. As in
1: high-dudgeon, yes. Um, as in As in you-
0: dudgeon the marvellous actor who took over from John Nettles in Midsummer Murders. Oh,
1: I don't know him. Okay. Yeah, you don't
0: know Midsummer Murders. It's not no, your generation. Not really. Okay. But people like me, we love we love Midsummer Murders. Mm-hmm. I mean, frankly, that's the sort of person I am. If you like Midsummer Murders, well, then we'll get on very well indeed. <laughs> Curiously uh, enough, with like,
1: my job I don't really watch daytime T V um not,
0: Which is bad. I'd be honest. The only reason I watch it is because uh, to hear my voice on the commercials. Because on daytime television, I do some of the voiceovers. And I've recently become the voice, wait for it, I've become the voice of the Tenor Flex Plus Super Soft Incontinence Pad. <laughs> I
1: knew you were going to say something like that. And they told me that my
0: voice was exactly right for the product. And I thought this is irresistible. And it's actually, it's, it's. Uh, they, you get a free supply as well, which explains how I can, you know, we are sitting here recording the podcast, you're nipping out to the loo every 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I sit here firm and fast by the microphone. So hum
1: dudgeon. is an imaginary illness, something you might want to uh, use uh, talking to your boss. And the third one is, it's not really, everyone knows this word, it's not really one to learn, but I love the history of it. So I'm going to throw in a word origin here, and that is panic. And panic goes back to the god pan, As or the sort of mischievous sprite, really. Uh,
0: Panic, panic, as in him having a panic attack?
1: Yes. P-A-N-I-C, P-A-N-I-C simple P-A-N-I-C, as that. P-A-N-I-C, and that is because he was um, a deity, if you like, wasn't he? And he used to hide in the woods, according to legend, and make mysterious noises that would frighten travellers as they passed by. And he would throw everyone into a panic. So it all goes back to pan. I forgot pan. I really like that one. So there you go, panic, Dudgeon, and crownbuzzled.
0: Three fabulous words from the fabulous Susie Dent. I- I've always wanted to play Captain Hook in Peter pan mm. speaking of pan because i imagine peter pan it's the same god pan isn't it and he Probably looks is. like him the boy i've never been offered either peter pan or captain hook but uh, you i could imagine would be a wonderful wendy
1: wendy word made up by jay and barry that's what you were gonna say i was it? gonna is that yes. correct no, it's one or oh, was did that did an urban it. myth no no i think he did so it.
0: anybody out there called wendy is called wendy because of peter pan First produced in 1904. It? Wow. I know that because it was a great year for the theatre. The Cherry Orchard by Chekhov also appeared in 1904. Mm. I love that. Anybody called Wendy, it's because of Peter Pan. Anybody called Haley mm. is because of the actress Haley Mills, uh-huh. who is happens to be a friend of mine and a really lovely person. She's a friend and a neighbour of mine. And it's a family name of hers. And because she was a film star in the 1960s, got an Oscar, people began calling their children Haley. So, interesting anyway if you have enjoyed listening to us you please review us spread the word tell people you know however you get your your podcast however you get access to it spread the word there because it's fun for us doing this and I hope it's fun for you and it's actually it's an edu- you are an education
1: no well it's an ongoing escapade of nerdiness. That's, that's, that's what I'm on. It's, it's a, a lifelong adventure of geekery and nerdiness. And um, I'm just really pleased if people find them remotely interesting.
0: And the origin of geekiness and nerdery will be explored the next time we gather for Something Rhymes With Purple. Something Rhymes With Purple is a Something Else production. It was produced by Paul Smith with additional production from Russell Finch, Steve Ackerman and Josh Gibbs.